Hey sisters, I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to send a quick little message here before we started this episode, just to share with you how much I used to struggle when it came to following through and really committing to myself. I used to go into this mindset where I didn't want anyone to really know what my goals were or how I was trying to be healthy. Almost like I just wanted to cocoon up and emerge this butterfly so that people could say, wow, look at you, you did it. But what I never realized was how key it was to invest in myself and have someone help me with the journey along the way. I was stuck being a serial quitter because I was never investing in myself and and being open about what I wanted and why I wanted it. When I started investing in a coach to help me get from where I was to where I was going, that is when I always began to see results. At the end of the day, I had to ask myself, if what I want is to feel amazing in my body, if what I wanted was this type of success, what would I be willing to pay for it? That's why I wanted to remind you of before you dive into this episode, because right now I am taking on applications for my winter one-on-one -on -one exclusive hormone rebalancing coaching program. It is a two-month program, my closest container where we work together, and this is why my clients get results because we are working and customizing strategy to your unique life, and we're working on the mindset pieces that you struggle with that seem to keep you stuck. So swipe up, apply. I don't take everyone. We will have a conversation first to make sure it's a fit for you. And let's see how amazing you can feel in just two months from now. Okay, let's dive in. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey, hey, sisters, it is Bria here, your host of the Period Whisper podcast, and uh, I have such an interesting guest on here today that I'm really excited to bring to you. Her name is Sarah Marcier, and she is a registered dietitian. Um, not a registered, sorry, a registered <laughs> dental hygienist. I'm sorry. I keep seeing the D's. Sorry, Sarah. And a certified biofunctional okay. airway specialist, um, which I love how you explain and kind of call yourself like a personal trainer for the tongue and mouth. 
Uh, and so she works with, you know, with patients who have sleep apnea or other airway disorders and low tongue posture. And what what really drew me to you and why I think this is such a cool podcast topic to share with everyone um, is that you often find you have clients that suffer from dysregulated hormones because of their sleep and nervous system that are dysregulated from this breathing stuff. So I'm so excited to have you on, Sarah, and just to learn more from you on this, any way we, as women, you know, obviously in all of our lives, but certainly in this pocket of life where we're struggling with the hormone dysregulation, any more insight we can get into know our body, I think is just so powerful. So thank you so much for the work that you do and for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you. Bria. Thank you so much for having me. And as a PCOS sister myself, I have polycystic ovary syndrome. So I kind of was diving into what are, what's going on with my hormones, what's going on with my insulin resistance. And so my myofunctional disorders were a large piece of the puzzle. So that's where um, things started making sense to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't keep this information for myself. I need to use it to help others. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I, you know, I think I'd love, I'd love to have you introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell us a bit more about your story and specifically that part, like what you noticed and, you know, why that was, why you could tie that in. Yeah. So, well, my name is Sarah Mercier. Like you said, um, I'm a registered dental hygienist. I used to practice in private practice at a dental office um, doing hygiene. And I did that for about seven years. And I just so happened to take a sleep medicine, sleep dentistry course. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I needed to take courses for my continuing education for my hygiene license. So I just stumbled across the sleep medicine, sleep dentistry, um, you know, CE. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this sounds like all of the issues that I've had with um, my breathing, my orthodontics, my whole life, um, my tonsils, my hormones, my sleep. And I said, oh my gosh, like the, the puzzle pieces started just falling into place and like the, my synapses in my brain were firing. And I said, oh my gosh, I think this is a huge piece of the puzzle that, you know, that I've been missing. So, um, a little background, I've actually had braces three times orthodontics, um, because I have a tongue thrust. So that means when you swallow your tongue comes forward and hits your teeth. Um, and so my orthodontist went the first time. Yep. So everybody's probably checking, wait, we're I just swallowed. swallowed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if your tongue hits your front teeth, when you swallow, that's dysfunctional, that your tongue is not supposed to hit your teeth when you swallow. Um, and so when I was a little, (laughs) yeah. So when I was, um, a child, I got my first round of braces when I was 10 years old, because I had a really bad open bite where like my party trick was, I would like take a fork and just kind of go in between my teeth. Like it was so open that I had enough room to like play with a fork (laughs) in between my top and bottom front teeth. And Mm -hmm. so my orthodontist, my dentist was like, Hey, cheese orthodontic for sure to close that open bite. Well, that open bite was caused by my tongue thrust coming forward. Um, and so I went to an orthodontist and he was amazing and he was very forward thinking. This was like the late nineties. Um, and he was very forward thinking where, um, he wanted to send me to a myofunctional therapist. So myofunctional therapist and, um, tongue thrust therapist are kind of used interchangeably or they, it used to be, uh, you know, technically they're both the same thing, but prior to probably about 10 years ago, it was more, more so called tongue thrust therapy. So he, he sent me to tongue, the tongue thrust therapist. She was a speech language pathologist. I didn't have any speech problems. Um, so really she was just helping me with my tongue posture. However, 
that nobody caught my tongue tie. And we'll get into talking about like what a tongue tie is and how to look for one, but they missed my tongue tie. Um, and that's a huge part of all of these issues that I've had my entire life. So we kind of got halfway through where I needed to be and then just didn't, wasn't, they weren't able to help me any further because they didn't know what they didn't know. So my, my passion for this really comes from being a patient myself, um, for so long and having braces three times, uh, is not fun. And I, I'm like, why, why do I have to keep doing this? And why, like, what is the root cause for all of these things? So that's kind of where my dental journey started. And luckily I'm in the dental field. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have come across this or figured this out. So it's kind of a full circle moment for me now that I am a myofunctional therapist and that's where I started when I was a kid. So it's kind of funny how life comes full circle like that. Absolutely. I don't think I'd ever, I've never, you know, I'd never heard of that exact term myofunctional therapy. Uh, I mean, I think the only time I'd ever heard of tongue thrusting before was on sex in the city. There was an episode where Miranda got, she was a tongue thruster. Yes, exactly. No, and that's so funny because, and when they talk about like when we see little things like that in mainstream, um, you know, like media, I'm like, yeah, they're bringing it up. They're bringing it up so people are like more aware of it. Um, but yeah, I had so my orthodontic has always been an issue, um, and it affected my sleep. And so I guess we'll jump into kind of explaining like what myofunctional therapy is yes. because some people may be like, what are you? What are you even talking about? Yes. Um, some people kind of confuse myofunctional therapy with like myofascial release. So I like to talk about what the words actually mean. So um, interchangeably, you can call yourself or you may see myofunctional therapist, orofacial myologist. I'm a myofunctional airway specialist. I did special training and more of like the airway sleep apnea, but I deal with everything else that any other myofunctional myofunctional therapist deals with. Um, But when we talk about Orofacial myofunctional disorders, we call those OMDs. These are issues with the muscles and the bones of your face and how they function. So oro means mouth. We're talking about Greek and Latin roots here. So if we go back to like, what do these words mean? Oro means mouth. Facial obviously means face. So we say orofacial, we're talking about the mouth mouth and the face. Um, Myo means muscle. M-Y-O means muscle. And then functional is obviously function um, and therapy is therapy. So you say orofacial myofunctional therapy, it's the function. We're addressing the, the muscle function of the face and the mouth. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that probably makes sense to everybody. <laughs> now, once we break it down. Yeah. From myofacial or myofunctional, which is myofacial. Like there's so many differences there. Exactly. Yeah. So the myofascial release is more of a hands-on body therapy work where they release tension. Fascia is essentially webbing that connects all of our tissues, like our muscles, and it's basically like a webbing system of fibers that kind of holds things in place throughout our body. So the fascia can get tight um, and it can get kind of tweaked, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of tweaked and out of position. And so people who do myofascial release help release that webbing that's tight and is restricting movement of certain muscles. So that's a hands-on body therapy, like myofascial release. What I do in myofunctional therapy is just like you said, it's like personal training for the mouth. So when we talk about like, why, why would you even need a personal trainer for your mouth? Well, you want, you need a personal trainer for your mouth. If you have any orofacial myofunctional disorders, uh, which we'll talk about, but if you don't have proper oral rest posture, that is where I come in. So proper oral rest posture, how your should, how your mouth should be resting at all times is that your tongue should be lightly suctioned on the roof of your mouth, all the way from the tip of the tongue 
to the very back of the tongue. That's 24-7, except for when you're eating or drinking um, or speaking, obviously. And your lips should be lightly closed at rest without the help of your chin muscle or biting down on your back teeth. Your lips should lightly close on their own. And you should be breathing through your nose 24-7. Even if you're working out or doing like an exercise, you should be breathing through your nose the whole time. So if you don't, if you're like, oh, well, that's not me. I mouth breathe or my tongue isn't suctioned to the roof of my mouth. That is considered poor oral rest posture, and that's what I help with. Um, and you may be thinking, like, okay, well, who cares? Like, where my tongue rests, why does that even matter? Um, but this has a huge impact on health in general. So, where your tongue rests, a couple things um, during, we'll talk about during the day and then at night. Um, so, during the day, our tongue resting where it should be puts our body into the rest and digest mode. So if your tongue is up fully suctioned to the palate and a lot of people who have tongue ties or tethered oral tissues, they'll feel like you can get half the tongue up on the roof of the mouth and maybe like the back half or the back third kind of slopes off and drops. And that means you're not getting the full suction on the palate where it should be. And you likely have a tongue tie tethered oral tissue there. So if your tongue cannot fully get up to that suction, it's not sending the rest and digest signals to your vagus nerve, which is your like chill out, calm down nerve. Okay. Uh So that's during the day. So proper swallowing um, and proper function stimulates the vagus nerve. A big red flag if you have that you have malfunctional disorders is that you don't feel your tongue up there. If you feel like you're constantly kind of on edge, like that anxiety, like that fight or flight, where we're like kind of have that stress. And I mean, every, we've got a stressful environment that we live in now, but you shouldn't be like, I say it's like a vibration where you're kind of like vibrating at that anxiety level where like just the smallest thing is about to set you off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> so I just want it. So one more time, if how a yeah. proper, proper oral rest position of the tongue in the mouth is mm-hmm. for the pretty much the whole tongue to rest naturally at the top of the roof of the mouth. Like obviously enough that it's not blocking your nasal breathing because you have to breathe. Right. Well, so the thing is like, if you can't get your full tongue up on the roof of your mouth and you feel like it's blocking your nose, that's a red flag that you have airway disorder. Like you have disordered breathing. So if you fully suction your tongue to the roof of your mouth and you feel that it's restricted when you breathe, like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to choke. That's a red flag. That's not normal. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's not normal. That means that your airway is likely compromised. You don't have enough room because if you had enough room, your tongue would be able to go where it's supposed to be. So red flags are like snoring. Snoring is literally choking your sleep. It's common, but it's never normal. So it's a sign that your tongue may be in the way. So if you suction your tongue to the roof of your mouth and you're like, oh, I feel like I can't get it all the way up or I'm going to choke. If you're feeling like that during the day, you're absolutely going to be choking during the night, right? Like when you relax and you relax and your muscles relax. So during the day, what happens is actually as you're developing, like let's go back to infancy. So uh, when we develop our face, our tongue is the scaffolding for the jaw. So the tongue is what grows your jaw wide and forward. So if you needed braces, there's an issue. Your tongue should have grown your teeth. We should be able to fit all 32 teeth, which includes your wisdom teeth in great arch top and bottom. Okay. So if you can't, if that didn't happen or you had to get your wisdom teeth out, we need to know why didn't your jaw grow grow forward like it was supposed to. Um, And that likely usually means you have myofunctional disorders that prevented your face from growing forward. Like for example, for me, I had a tongue tie and a tongue thrust and that prevented my face from growing forward. And that's why I needed braces. Um, And so you'll see children, we call it um, adenoid face and it's, it's, we call that 
it adenoid phase because a lot of the times tonsils, adenoids, ear infections, ear tubes being placed, all of these sinus things are showing up, but really it's partially a tongue function issue. If your tongue isn't hitting your soft palate when you swallow, you're not draining your inner ear properly. And that's when you get ear infections and you see the kids that have all these problems or adults who have all these issues with like chronic tonsillitis, strep throat, ear drainage issues, ear infections, all of that. So if the tongue is low in the mouth, either because of habits or because of, you know, if, if they have bottle feeding or too much pacifier use, you're actually growing the, the palate up, the roof and mouth up instead of wide and forward. And so that can impede on the sinuses. So when you grow your face wide and forward with your tongue coming forward, your lower jaw also follows. So your top jaw moves forward, then your lower jaw follows. So if your top jaw is not moving forward, your lower jaw has nowhere to go. It's trapped in by the upper jaw and it starts to grow down instead of forward. So if you feel you have an elong if you have an elongated face shape or a big red flag is the hump in the nose, that little hump in the nose if you have one. You, I'm looking at you, you know, I don't see one, but if like you have Sarah, a hump check in the me nose. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you have if you have a hump in the nose, um if so if you're listening and you're like, "Uh, I don't know, is my face long? Does it look like this? Does it look like that?" If you have a hump in your nose, that's a red flag that you have malfunctional disorders because the hump is where your face started growing forward and then it stopped and it grew down. And that's where you get that hump on the nose. So, we see a lot of these like red flags for myofunctional disorders. And if the tongue is not where it's supposed to be, it doesn't grow the jaws out of the airway. So now as an adult, when you're like, Hey, I'm suctioning, I feel like I'm choking. Again, that's not normal. Like you should have plenty of room in the back of your throat for your tongue to be where it's supposed to rest. So that's during the day. Now at night, you know, when I work with clients, I say, if we can't get your tongue where it's supposed to be during the day when you're consciously thinking about it, there's no way it's going there when you're sleeping and your subconscious is turned on, right? So when you lay down to go to sleep, what happens is you lay down, go to sleep, um, your, your muscles relax. If your tongue is not fully suctioned to the palate, it will collapse into the throat, into the airway. Usually the mouth drops open. So you'll hear snoring or even gasping, or you'll wake up like kind of choking. Uh, that's more like severe. But even if you stop breathing a little bit, um, and a lot of people always say, just get a sleep study. Cause I have some clients who say they're fine. They get, but then we get a sleep study and we find out they're not fine. They're just used to dysfunction. Like their normal is bad. <laughs> if that makes sense. So I'm like, you don't know that it's bad because you're so used to it, that it is bad. Um, but so we'll have the tongue fall back into the airway and all night long, the lower jaw will come forward trying to open the airway. And that's when you see a lot of clenching and grinding. So if you have clenching and grinding, or if you've been told that you need a night guard for sleep, 99.9% of the time, it's an airway problem. It is not a stress, quote unquote, stress problem. And the night guard, again, I'm going to put on my hygienist hat right now. I don't want you fracturing teeth or wearing down your enamel because you have one set of teeth. However, the night guard is a band-aid. And it's a, it should be a temporary band-aid to, until we fix the root cause of why you're clenching and grinding. Because right. the night guard, the night guard takes up room in your mouth. So it shoves your tongue even further back into your throat. So really we're making the root cause worse, but we are protecting your teeth. So at least protecting your teeth. But um, so this is what the things that happen during the day and during the night and like why it's so important for your tongue to be in that spot. I mean, I have so many questions right now. Like. <laughs> I think I might, I'm going to have to hire you just to get these questions answered. Like, yes. and, and, and this whole time, I'm also very aware of where my tongue is in my mouth, but why don't we, can we share like, because for the sake of time, cause I could ask you a million questions. Um, can we share how this impacts hormones specifically? Absolutely. With- well, 
two ways. Um, one is let, like during the day where we talked about if the tongue is not turning on the rest and digest signal, you're in constant fight or flight mode. That will raise your cortisol levels. And we know if we have all these stress hormones, that throws all of our hormones out of whack. Our hormones, and, and I know you've talked to your listeners about it, our hormones are very intertwined. So one hormone can affect the other, can cause a cascade of this happening. And it's just like a domino effect of things happening down the line. So um, during the daytime, if we're not resting our tongue where it should be and we're not swallowing properly, we are in this constant fight or flight mode. If the tongue is not where it's supposed to be suctioned to the roof of the mouth, it causes, uh, if you if you have low tongue posture and say you have obstructed nasal passages, so maybe you have a deviated septum or you have enlarged adenoids or tonsils or turbinates, which are the tissue that's like right inside the nasal cavity. If yeah. it feels unnatural for you to breathe through the nose and it's easier to breathe through the mouth, that's a problem. Like we need to get you into an ear, nose and throat doctor to see why is it hard for you to breathe through your nose? Your mouth is the, like your mouth is for eating and drinking and talking. Your nose is for breathing. So if you're breathing through your mouth, pathogens are going straight into your upper respiratory system, which causes inflammatory markers that will raise, and that affects our hormones as well. Um, another one is when you mouth breathe, if your tongue is low in your mouth, or at, even at night, if you mouth breathe, even if during the day, you're like, I don't think I breathe through my mouth during the day. If your tongue collapses into your throat, you're likely breathing through your mouth um, at night. And when you have a dry oral cavity, we have an oral microbiome in our mouth, just like we do in our gut. And the, the beginning of the digestive tract is the mouth. So the bacteria that we have in our mouth, we have normal good and bad bacteria. When you have a dry mouth, the bad bacteria love it. They go crazy. Like you get, and that's where we see periodontal disease, gum disease, you know, gingivitis, cavities. Um, so bacteria love that. So that affects your dental health, number one. Number two, every time you swallow, you're swallowing that bad bacteria into your gut. And then your gut, your gut system can affect your hormones and your inflammation throughout your body and things like that. So part of it is dry mouth. Another part of it is the bad bacteria can cause inflammation of the gums and then the bacteria travels through the bloodstream and it can actually go to your heart and to your brain. So like if you have plaque in your arteries, it can actually be plaque from your mouth that's traveled. So oral health, and I'm very passionate about talking about the oral systemic link of you know, your mouth is attached to your body. So a lot of people in the dental office will say, oh, but you know, you're just quote unquote, just cleaning my teeth. And I say, oh no, I'm doing way more than cleaning your teeth. Your head is attached to your body. And so I, I talk about whole body health because I'm trained in whole body health because I don't detach your head from your body when I clean your teeth, right? Like your head's attached. Um, so that affects your hormones through your gut health as well. Right. So again, just to summarize and make it simple for people, it, it affects in a couple ways. One, like when you're not in the rest and digest phase, then we're we're dysregulating our like our whole adrenal system, which is causing more stress, which we know for anyone listening to the podcast automatically throws our hormones out of whack. And it's it's more noticeable during these 35 to 55 years, I think, for anyone um, who understands perimenopause. But then the other way you're saying is that any type of inflammation that's happening or aggravated by the mouth breathing or the dryness and is obviously going to, you know, add more stress to the body, create more inflammation and more, you know, unhealthy aspects. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And then I'd say, I know, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, well, it makes sense. Like your mouth is attached to your body. 
Now at night, um, the biggest thing that happens with your hormones at night is sleep. Um, and especially if you have, uh, for like for me, I have polycystic ovary syndrome. So insulin and cortisol are big ones for me that I have to look out for. Um, and studies have shown even one night of poor quality sleep, you can never make up for quality of sleep with quantity of sleep. So even one night with poor quality of sleep um, can affect your insulin resistance up to, it has about 50 to 60% um, negative impact on your insulin resistance. So if you're getting poor sleep, chronically, it's throwing your insulin regulation out of whack. Therefore, if you have hormonal, you know, dysregulation, like I do, that's terrible for my PCOS. Um, and then the cortisol levels raised. So all night long, again, um, I work with all my clients. And if you're confused of like, where in the heck do I start? Like, that's why you, th- that you start with me, because then I can help you get where you need to go. Cause there's a lot of pieces to this. So, um, like a sleep study, I did a sleep study myself when I was like 26. Um, and I said, there's no reason for me to be tired, like, you know, all the time. And we're so used to just saying like, oh, you know, it's, we're tired. If you have to have coffee in the morning to wake up, that's not normal. If you have to have coffee in the middle of the afternoon, because you're tired, that's not normal. That means you're not getting functional sleep. And so what can happen is the sleep is huge for our hormonal health and just health in general. So at night, if your tongue is collapsing into the airway and it's not where it's supposed to be, um, it can cause sleep disordered breathing. Now there's the classic sleep apnea and there's two types of sleep apnea. One is central sleep apnea, which is in the brain. It's neurological. It's like um, narcolepsy. The other type of sleep apnea, which is like probably 90% of sleep apnea is obstructive is obstructive sleep apnea. And now we measure, this is a very crude way of measuring sleep apnea. The sleep de- the sleep medicine world hasn't really caught up with this airway stuff. So that's why I always connect my clients with airway trained sleep physicians. Because for example, um, I did two sleep studies when I was 26 years old um, and two, doc- two sleep physicians said, oh, you're fine because you only stop breathing four and a half times an hour, not five, which is the benchmark. And I said, "Uh, wait, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> And I said, wait, why am I stopping breathing at all? So I just didn't take that for an answer. I'm like, that sounds like that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't care if your numbers on your chart say I have to stop breathing five times an hour, which we need to change that anyway, because if you stop breathing five times an hour during the day, people would look at you and say like, what is going on? Like, what's wrong with you? So why is it okay? You shouldn't be stopping breathing at all during your sleep. Um, But when I went to an airway trained physician, um, he said, Sarah, you don't have sleep apnea, like on paper, but I have what's called upper airway resistance syndrome. And that's nicknamed the young fit female syndrome. I'm not fit by any means, but I was a young female, Uh, but I'm not the big overweight beefy guy with the thick neck who snores like a freight train, which is like the classic sleep apnea patient that we see. But I get young women all the time who have sleep disordered breathing. um, And that's where you have dysregulation. You don't have enough airflow coming in. So my sleep physician who's a, he's a sleep physician, ENT, airway ENT, and he does tongue tie releases. So he's like the guru. He's my, my great doctor that I have in Los Angeles. He runs the Breathe Institute. His name is Dr. Zoggy. So Dr. Zoggy said, yeah, Sarah, um, you only quote unquote only stop breathing four and a half times an hour, but your blood oxygen drops from 98% to 86% when you're sleeping. I would be, if I was in the hospital, they'd put me on oxygen. Like that's how low that is. So all night long, my brain cells are dying, my heart. So my heart rate was getting over like a hundred beats per minute. That's like doing cardio. Why am I doing cardio in my sleep? 
So Mm -hmm. I'm essentially running a marathon all night long. So when I wake up in the morning, of course I'm tired. My body has been in fight or flight mode trying to keep me alive all night long. And I haven't, and I never enter REM sleep either. So I I have a few other doctors who told me, oh, you're fine. But they didn't look at everything as a total picture. So that's why it's so important. Um, And so when I got that information, I said, well, no wonder why my hormones are all messed up. And I'm not saying, you know, there's there's other factors like genetic factors and, you know, other external factors that exacerbate, you know, like depression, anxiety, stuff like that. But I'm like, uh, if my depression and anxiety, if I could get better sleep, that would drastically improve my PCOS, my anxiety, all of my other hormonal issues. So sleep is probably the most important bodily function that we have. It's critical. And I love that you bring that up. It's so important to everything, like you said. And if we aren't getting, and it doesn't matter the quantity, if you're not getting the quality of sleep, then that, and you can't make up sleep. My understanding is that when it comes to sleep, it's, you Correct. know, increased deficit. So you need to, you know, Correct. Get, which is really interesting. Okay. This is amazing. So how do we go about, you know, and I know you've talked about some of this already, but for people listening, I feel like I would want to know first, again, how do I know again, very clearly, like if this is, if I'm not sleeping well because of airway? So to start, we have to have data, like we have to have measurements. So if you're at home and you're like, I don't know where to start, um, a malfunctional therapy consultation is a great place to start because I can tell you if I see your, I can look at your oral rest posture and tell you, yes, your tongue can go where it needs to go or no, it's not. And that's when I come in and that's where I jump in and help you. Uh, But the thing that you can think about, I always tell my clients, like in the meantime, Ask your general provider, whoever, your doctor, your nurse practitioner, whoever you see, ask them for a sleep study and then ask them for a copy of that sleep study. So you may have a sleep physician like mine who wasn't airway trained and said, oh, you're fine. Just get the sleep study done. Sometimes they'll start with at home. Sometimes they'll start with in lab or they'll do at home first. And then if it's inconclusive, they'll do in lab. But I say it never hurts. Like the more data we have, the better. And so we, I recommend a home sleep study, but get a copy because once we get you into the right providers who are airway trained, they can read that study and get more in depth like I got. So I'd say like at home, the first thing you can start doing is um, ask your physician for a sleep study, but really you need a malfunctional consultation um, to see like, where is your tongue? If you feel like it's not in the right spot, um, that's my expertise. And I can tell you if it is or not, and uh, what I can do to help you in that situation. Okay. I love that. And then for just simple simplicity's sake for people listening, you know, you mentioned, you know, obviously you mentioned the way your, your tongue attaches to the roof of your mouth, but how do we know mm-hmm. if let's say, I mean, I think people know if they're waking up a lot at night, they know they're not sleeping mm-hmm. well, but you mentioned like, if you're waking up and you need coffee to, um, mm-hmm. to have energy or need it in the afternoon to have energy, then we know we're not sleeping well enough. It's not about the amount we're talking about well enough. Are there any Mm -hmm. other indicators there that we can give people or that are red flags that you notice? Yeah, definitely. Snoring, number one. And so I have some people who say like, oh, I don't snore. And half the time I'll find out like they snore and their partner snores. I'm like, it's a miracle you guys aren't waking each other up. Um, So there's apps on your phone that you can put on like record to see if you snore. So I recommend even just downloading a free app on your phone and putting it on record. You'll be surprised um, usually what you find. So snoring is a huge red flag. Talking or walking in your sleep. Mm-hmm. Is a huge red flag. You th- those systems should be shut off if you're in deep sleep and you're getting the rest you need. So if you're talking or walking in your sleep, that means you're not entering the right s- 
sleep cycles at the right time, that's dysfunctional. Um, if you wake up more than once a night to have to go to the bathroom, that's another red flag. Um, if you wake up in the morning with a dry mouth, that's a red flag. Um, if you wake up in the morning with a tense jaw, tense neck, you feel like you've been clenching and grinding, that's right. a huge red flag. So those are right. all things that general, people, right, is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they can look for those things. Sorry to interrupt the peeing one, which I hear I get a lot from, you know, I hear a lot from my clients, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that, is that a red flag for airway breathing issues? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so the urination is, again, that's a body system that's supposed to be turned off when you're in deep sleep. And so if you have to keep waking yourself up to go to the bathroom, a lot of the times what happens is it's your body's way of getting you to wake up so you don't choke so that you, and, um, you know, I don't want to, it is dramatic. Like it sounds dramatic, but it is very important because sleep apnea can be deadly. Like it, it, it can be deadly. And there's only about a 60% compliance rate with sleep apnea patients actually wearing their CPAP, the machine that keeps their airway open. So my clients have been diagnosed with sleep apnea or upper airway resistance syndrome, or we get them the diagnosis that they need. And they're like, Sarah, I don't want to wear a CPAP my whole life. I'm like, I don't blame you. I don't either. And so the tongue is your body's CPAP. So a CPAP is a machine that creates positive pressure in the airway to keep it open when you're laying down and sleeping. Your tongue suction creates positive pressure in the mouth and it keeps your airway open. So if you can't get that full suction, your tongue collapses and that's where we get the choking. Um, so I, like I said, I have the clients who are like, I don't want to wear the CPAP the rest of my life. And I say, I, you know, it's a bandaid. It, it's literally a bandaid for a body system that's not working properly. Oh, this is amazing. Okay. So of course, you know, uh, getting, um, having what you said, a myofunctional airway, like having a meeting with you or having that a con consultation mm -hmm. is a really key step for people who want to start improving this piece. Now that we know, okay, whether we have an issue or whether we might mm -hmm. have an issue and we understand the impact, especially on our hormones, but on obviously on our whole health, because as we know, the whole thing is together. Are there, mm -hmm. are there any other things that you can share or suggest for people to begin trying either for relief or just retraining? So, um, as yeah. the process of this. So the first thing you can try to do is just be conscious of where your tongue is resting in your mouth. And if it may feel unnatural for you to have your tongue up and it may, because if you have a tongue tie tethered oral tissues, it could be like a rubber band that's pulling down on the floor of your mouth. So let's talk about, so a huge thing that gets undiagnosed are tongue ties, lip ties, and cheek ties. So everybody has a frenulum, that piece of skin underneath the tongue. It's a problem if it's too short, too tight, or if it impedes function. Usually it's all three if that's going on. So you should be able to open your widest and lift your tongue and touch behind your two front teeth. And you should be able to do that if you hold down the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching you try it. So, and you know, if you're not able to reach the roof of your mouth without closing a little bit, that's a red flag that there's restriction. Um, you should be able to hold down the floor of your mouth with your finger. And if you go to my social media, which we can talk about later, it's at healthy mouth, healthy life. I have a little video of where you can self-assess where you take your finger, you feel for the skin underneath your tongue, you push down on the floor of the mouth and you relax your tongue. You push down the floor of the mouth, you open as wide as you can. And now you try to lift your tongue. Okay. And if you feel any tightness or restriction or tugging, that's a red flag that you may have a tongue tie, like a posterior tongue tie. So there's two types of tongue ties. One goes to the tip of the tongue and one goes to the back of the tongue. And so the ones that are at the back of the tongue, a lot of times go undiagnosed. And mm -hmm. it's because we we're not taught in dental school, dental hygiene school, med school. We're not look, we're not taught to look for 
function. We're taught to look for just clinically, what does a tongue tie look like? And uh, it's called ankyloglossia. Ankyloglossia is the medical term for having a tongue tie. So we're taught in medical school, dental school, dental hygiene school, that if a patient has ankyloglossia where the tip of their tongue stuck to the floor of their mouth, it may be beneficial to snip the skin. We know now like that's a horrible idea because it can cause scar tissue and that's not the right way to do it. Uh, But we're taught that unless there's a speech problem or unless the patient complains about it, it's fine. We know now with sleep dentistry and medicine as it's advancing, like, no, it's not fine. It's pulling, it's a rubber band keeping the tongue blocking the airway. So even if it doesn't cause a speech problem, what happens is if your tongue cannot function the way it's supposed to, it causes compensations, which means your body picks up and does the job of the tongue. And that's where we start using like our chewing muscles to keep our mouth closed, like our buccinators, our masseters, rather than our lip muscles. And so you'll have, I'd like to say, an analogy is, could you walk backwards your whole life? Of course you could. Like your body, your body, you just tell your body, your brain tells your muscles what to do. You're going to walk backwards your whole life. Are you going to blow out your knees eventually? Yes, because your body is not designed to do that. And so when you talk about women who are in perimenopause or menopause, um, of course there's hormonal changes that happen that affect the body. But I have women and men who are in their thirties, forties, fifties. And they're like, man, my jaw is just like, I have so much pain now. These things didn't happen yesterday but your body is a machine and it's getting tired. It's like if you drove your car and never changed the oil and there was a problem, eventually that machine is going to wear down. It's becoming less tolerant in many, many ways. And so this is where you have these kind of dark nights of the soul moments from, you know, what it comes from the body because of the wear and tear, like you're saying. So exactly. Yeah. My mind is just blown right now. This is really, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm so, Once you start thinking about it, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, like that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, we, the thing that you can ask, um, so I have a lot of people ask me, well, how do I know if my doctor or my dentist is airway trained? And I would say, unless they, this is extra hours and thousands of dollars of training that those of us in airway medicine dentistry have done because it's not taught in school. One day soon, I think it's going to become general curriculum. And actually, I can't remember if it was 2017 or 2018, but the American Dental Association released a statement that all dental practitioners should be screening for sleep disordered breathing because we're in the mouth all day long. And so we should be screening for these things. So they're they're advocating for a practitioner is getting training in sleep dentistry. Now there's a difference between sleep dentistry and airway dentistry. So traditional like uh, providers who have just gotten a little bit of training in the airway sleep world, they would say um, recommend either like a CPAP if you have disordered breathing or a lot of um, dentists for sleep dentists, they will recommend what's called a mandibular advancement device. It's the mandible, the lower jaw. It's essentially a night guard that pulls the lower jaw forward to open the airway at night. Does it work? Yeah, it works. It's a Band-Aid. It actually is not fixing the problem. It's just moving the jaw. And then there are side effects, like it can dislocate the TMJ, the temporomandibular joint, and you have to actually like get them back into place in the morning, and it's not very comfortable. And so again, these are all, is it better than dying in your sleep? Yeah, of course. So like, is it better than choking? Yeah, but it's still not addressing the root cause. It's just a Band-Aid. So something to ask your dentist, um, if they're to see if they're airway trained. Well, number one, I work with people all over the country. So if, if you're like, I don't even know where to start, I help my clients find airway trained providers who actually know this information. But something you can just ask your dentist is, oh, are you familiar with monofunctional therapy? Do you work with monofunctional therapists? If they say no, or they don't know what that is, they're not airway trained. Um, if you ask them, um, do you know 
about functional frenuloplasties. That's where they release the tongue tie all the way to the back where it's tethering to the floor of the mouth rather than just snipping the skin. If they don't know what a functional frenuloplasty is, they're not airway trained. Um, and then if they, if you say like, do you refer to any airway ENTs or do you have any ENTs that are focused on airway? If they don't know what that is, or they say, no, they're not airway trained. So those are just some general questions that you can ask your provider to see if they know what you, they need to know. Um, but again, like my clients, I help them find people that I know for sure are airway trained. And it's kind of like looking for a needle in the haystack. Um, and here in Las Vegas, we have one airway dentist who's airway trained. She works with infants mostly and does tongue tie releases on infants. Um, so I have to travel. I go to Los Angeles for all of my care, but I'm like, Hey, I have one mouth and I need it done right. And so I don't mind like if I have to go somewhere, I go somewhere, but I help my clients find people as close to them as possible or give them options so that they can, you know, get what they need. Um, so as someone who is somewhat of like a personal trainer for the mouth, when, when people come and work with you is the focused for, you know, first on, I guess if there has to be a surgery or there has to be something done that mm -hmm. you, know, you, help, you help them find that is what you're saying. But then if they're working with you, you know, is there like exercise mm -hmm. that you do? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Good question. Let's get into like what therapy is. So yeah. So if you have tethered oral tissues, like a lip tie or a tongue tie, that friend and that's too tight or too restricted, you have to do myofunctional therapy before the release and after it. And so if you don't do it, if you go into an office and a dentist or you say, Hey, I think I have a tongue tie and they say, Oh, we can just release it today. Run away, run away quickly. And they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing with airway. So what happens is if you don't do myofunctional therapy before the release, you're not going to have strong enough muscles in the back of the tongue to lift the tongue so that the provider can get all of the deep fascia that's pulling the tongue down. They'll get the front part, but they won't get the back part. So an airway trained physician, either an ENT or a dentist who does the releases um, surgically, they either use scissors or a laser or both. It just depends. It's a very quick procedure. I just had mine done like eight weeks ago. Um, and you're in, you're out, you're just numb your tongue. So it's, it's not, it's very minimally invasive. Uh, but if they, basically the provider asks me when my client's ready. So they'll say, Sarah, tell me when the client's ready for the release. Once I see a certain tone of the tongue and where it can go, I give the green light. I say, okay, good. They're ready for release. Um, most of my clients, I try to book their tongue tie releases so that I can zoom into their appointment. Um, so I do all virtual myofunctional therapy and I work with people all over. So um, I try to, I coordinate with the release provider and I, um, I like to be zoomed into the room and then we work on function. So the doctor will release some of the tongue. They'll, I'll ask them to do a few exercises and I'm like, Oh, it's a little tight, maybe on the right. Like, what do you think? But that way we can collaborate together and work together. I'm, I'm super into collaboration. The reason why I started like my own business and I got so passionate about it is that everybody's treating the same person, but nobody talks to each other and it's ridiculous. Uh -huh. So I get all of the providers together and we talk about the order that we need to do things. So for example, like the release provider, if you do need like a tongue tie release or lip tie release, I talk to them. I send them a report of your myofunctional evaluation. Um, I give them the green light and I say, okay, they're ready with their myofunctional therapy to do the release. And then after your release, you need to do essentially what I call tongue rehab. And that's where now when I say like, okay, Bria, lift the back of your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Now you can actually do it because that rubber band isn't pulling down on the tongue. So we finish out your myofunctional therapy program rehabbing your tongue. It's kind of like if your arm was stuck to your side your whole life and you were born that way. And then we released your arm, you would need physical therapy to be able to, you know, move that arm and use it correctly. So it's the same thing with the mouth. The tongue is a muscle, just like any other muscle in the body. 
think that's what I'm finding so fascinating. It's just the lack of aware. I mean, I am a personal trainer, so I, everything you're saying mm-hmm. makes so much sense to me. You know, obviously the way the body compensates when you're not engaging a muscle properly. And mm-hmm. you know, as you say, the body's amazing like that doesn't mean it should do it, but I didn't even exactly facts of it. And even the simple thing, when you said your mouth is for um, eating, talking, did, was there one more thing? You said? Drinking. And drinking, yeah. I'm like, of course, when you think about animals, I mean, they mm-hmm. don't really talk quite the way we do, but like the animals are really only breathing out of their mouth, like in a, either You're right. a stressful situation or they're releasing that heat. Like we don't see animals mouth breathing. They don't do it. Exactly. You're. That's a great point. I, and honestly, you just came up with a good point that I haven't thought about before, but you're right. You don't see animals mouth breathing. They breathe through their nose because that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? With the thing with the nasal breathing is na- the only way to create nitric oxide is through nasal breathing. And nitric oxide is an antimicrobial, it's an antibacterial, um, and it also creates nitric oxide creates better blood oxygen exchange. And so it helps the oxygen actually get into the red blood cell. So if you're mouth breathing, you're not getting nitric oxide into the system. So like I said, those back the pathogens, the bacteria is going straight to your lungs. It's not getting filtered through your nose and you're not creating that nitric oxide. And quite honestly, you know, if we were before, so some people say like, why is this just being caught now? It's one of those things where are we finding it because we're looking for it? Kind of like autism, like autism, we started recognizing what autism was before cases started coming because we were, we were looking for it. Right. And so, and interestingly in midwifery with midwives, they, when babies were born, they actually used to take their thumbnail and swipe under the tongue to release any tissue that was there because it can cause issues with breastfeeding. And if a baby's colicky, has trouble breastfeeding, these are all red flags for tethered oral tissues and tongue ties and lip ties. So now that we've gotten away from like midwifery and we're more obviously towards like hospital births and births and things like that, we've kind of lost that ancient practice of the midwives knew like, hey, we need to release this tongue to make sure this baby can feed. But if you think about 10,000 years ago, if a baby couldn't nurse, they died and we didn't pass on those genetics. And same thing with mouth breathing, nasal breathing. Like if you're an animal who can't breathe through your nose, you're going to have labored breathing. You're going to have less um, function for like running from predators. You're going to get picked off <laughs> and you're going to die. So we're, we're just, we're animals, but we just have compensations and we have modern medicine that helps us not die basically. So you do think it's a, a um, you know, a situation where it has always been here and we're just finally looking for it. You don't think it's the way our culture has now moved us or, you know, that we now all of a sudden are having so many problems. It's like that straw that's breaking the camel's back. This is, and yeah, this, we could have like a whole other conversation about this, but there's a combination of factors where there's like epigenetics, where our genetics are changing quickly um, because of modern medicine. Like we're able to pass these genes on that would have been weeded out through natural selection years ago. So a lot of tongue ties are genetic and they're being passed along. There's a few different um, thought processes or hypotheses and we we need more funding and testing to actually figure out like what the deal is. But there's a few um, hypotheses like maybe the MTHRFR, the mother effer gene is nicknamed, where there's a gene mutation that causes a lot of health issues that may be a factor in getting tethered oral tissues like tongue ties. Um, And then we also think there may be a correlation between moms taking folic acid to prevent spina bifida. It helps strengthen the spinal column so that there's not gaps in it, but it could also strengthen other fascia along the midline 
such as the tongue. So we don't, the answer is we don't know. Um, but as far as, so the tongue tie thing, those are some hypotheses. Now the face going forward, chewing is the best exercise that you can do for the face. And so if you look at like indigenous peoples um, who have hunter gatherer chewing, um, breastfeeding, they have very square jaws, very wide jaws. And your maxilla, your upper jaw is the floor of your sinus. So if your maxilla is narrow, your sinuses are narrow and it's harder to breathe. So you look at indigenous peoples or people who have a hard food diet. We have a very Western diet is very soft. We give kids squeeze bottles of pureed food and puff cereal and a lot of other cultures they're chewing on meat like giving a, a kid like beef jerky is a great you know i'm not a feeding therapist so check with your pediatrician yeah. but like to hard hard chewing is what develops the face and grows it forward it deposits bone on the mandible and it grows the face so number one we've got tethered oral tissues that we have to deal with that are affecting the face but again we have a different diet um where we're not growing the face forward and then another thing is just common pollutants and allergens so uh we always i always advise my clients like at least try to keep if you have pets try to keep them out of the bedroom because if you have out al- if you get a stuffy nose and you can't breathe in your nose your mouth is the escape hatch and so if you have remember we talked about earlier at the very beginning of this episode if your tongue is low in your mouth your face doesn't grow forward and so that's where we see the airway doesn't grow forward either you don't have a, as much room it's impeded so we have got epigenetics we've got function and i we in myofunctional therapy, we love to say and explain it this way, um, form follows function. So the way your muscles function and the way you use your muscles affects how your skeleton grows and the form, right? So depending on how those muscles, if you use them in a bad way, your body can develop in a bad way. If you use them in a correct way, your body will develop in a correct way. Wow. This is just so interesting. And, you know, we started this conversation before we even hopped on the recording. And I was like, one of the things I'm so excited about this is, you know, it's a it's a way we haven't realized, you know, it's not it's not a normalized way yet that we realize its impact. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that means it has the opportunity to make a big impact. Um, Huge impact. Yeah. I love that. And I think and I have like a client. So just an example, like I had um, two, I'll talk about two clients real quick, two case studies where, um, hormonal issues and just, uh, one of my clients, she was diagnosed with ADHD. There's about a 60 to 70% overlap with ADHD symptoms and sleep deprivation. So Mm -hmm. irritability, trouble concentrating, brain fog, um, trouble sleeping. Those are all symptoms of ADHD and not getting good sleep. So if you have an ADHD diagnosis and without a sleep study, it's not a complete diagnosis. We need to rule out the sleep factor. So I had a young female client, her hormones were out of whack, her, her period cycles were irregular, um, and she was on Adderall for her ADHD. So just for her, just with her uh, myofunctional therapy, we cut her Adderall dose in half where she didn't need as much because her tongue was resting where it should be and she was regulating her nervous system better. And then what by the end, we got her off the Adderall completely um, and she was sleeping better and now her cycles are better too. Um, And then another young client of mine, um, she was 22. She was waking up with migraines, head and neck pain. Um, She just was always in pain. I said, you're 22 years old. Like this is insane and she doesn't sleep well. Um, And she was, she's a very big, um, she loves to go to the gym. She loves to work out. And she was like, I can't do like a full workout because I get so out of breath and I have to mouth breathe. And now she does all of her workouts through breathing through her nose. And she's like, I can do so much more. I 
feel so much better. Um, and that was just with her myofunctional therapy and her tongue tie relief. So women in general, like women tend to be more on board of jumping in and helping their health. So especially with your listeners on the podcast, I have a lot of women who are like, well, now I'm helping myself, my husband or my partner, you know, they need this too. And I'm like, honestly, if, if you even, I'd say like, you know, how we have children at schools who get it, they get eye exams, they get tested for scoliosis. Dental hygienists have been advocating for decades that we have a school nurse. Why don't we have a school dental hygienist to check oral health? And we, that's a whole other conversation for another day, but we really need uh, dental hygienists are public health experts. And so having them in the system um, would be amazing and catch all of these things earlier. Uh, but at the very least, so if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm 40, 50, 60, like, or even th- I'm 31. If it's like, oh, it's too late for me. Like my face is done growing. Like, no, there's still things that it's never too late. There's things we can do. And so I encourage everybody. It never hurts to just do a myofunctional consultation. I do 30 minute virtual consultations and I can tell you what I see myofunctionally, like where your tongue is sitting. But instead of just guessing like, hmm, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Do I, is it because of this? Is it because of that? Like process of elimination. Let's at least rule that part out so you can get answers. Wow, this is amazing, Sarah. Thank you. I think, you know, we're so often we want to like jump ahead to the next step and do things faster. And I'm always reminded so much um, in life about like, we have to walk before we can run. We have to crawl before we can. Yes. It's almost like before you go out and you know, dive into something super intense. There's these basic fundamentals of our health that Mm -hmm. we just need to make sure they're like, they're tweaked and they're solid, like legs Mm -hmm. on a and I, it's not like for me, what you've explained to me, you know, this is very clear, a part of one of these things that we can just gut check on and, and do a check on, you know, mm-hmm. that ensure that leg of our table is solid so that when we want to do these other things, like working out harder, if that's your thing or, you know, anything else, your body is in the right state to take it on and it's not going to. You're cost- exactly right. Wow. Thank you so much. This has been such an eye-opening discussion. I think, you know, if you're open to it, we may have to have another one sometime because I'm just yeah. loaded with questions. I'm up, I know we there's <laughs> there's so much information. We could always talk about it later. Yep. I'd happy to, I'd be happy to come back and talk about it. But yeah, I think this is very niche medicine that's starting to become more aware. But I notice a lot of women catch this when they're babies. Now we're looking a little bit more for tongue ties with infants. And then they say, well, wait a minute. I think I have a tongue tie. And so I see a lot of women now in their, you know, older twenties, thirties, forties that are like, actually, this sounds like me. So yeah, I, I'd love to come back and talk, but I think all of your listeners, um, you, I'm assuming if they're listening, they probably are looking for solutions to help with their hormones and they have some dysregulation. So I always tell people like process of elimination is, is your hormone dysregulation a a hundred percent myofunctional. No, I mean, there's other factors. Um, and I always talk about like some people say I have neck and shoulder tension. Could it be because of a tongue tie? Sure. But we're all on our phones hunched over all day. So is it a hundred percent myofunctional with your tongue? No, I mean, there's other factors, but if we fix, like we need to start fixing these factors one by one. And every time we fix something, it can make you feel better and better and better. Yeah, it just brings that awareness to it. And I think, you know, when mm-hmm. we take control of healing ourselves a little bit, when we start to pay attention to ourselves, that's what gives us the most power, I think, in life over our own health. So, okay. So if people want to learn more from you or have a consultation with you, what is the best way for them to find you, learn more from you, reach out? 
Yeah, perfect. So my website is revealmyotherapy.com and my handle on social media, I'm on TikTok, Instagram is at healthy mouth underscore healthy life. But if you just type in at healthy mouth, you'll see me, I have curly hair and a red shirt on. (laughs) So I'll pop up. I'm kind of hard to miss. So yeah, if you want to reach out and I have a lot of informational videos um, about tongue ties, and tethered oral tissues, myofunctional disorders. So if you're looking to see, like, I want to know more about this, I have information there. Um, And you can also reach out to me at my email address is Sarah, S-A-R-A, at revealmyotherapy, M-Y-O, therapy.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions, but I do, if you go to my website um, and just go to schedule a consult, I do virtual consultations for 30 minutes and I can look at your tongue, where it sits in your mouth and let you know, yes, you have proper oral rest posture. No, you don't. And see if I can help you in any way that I can. Amazing. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes. So everyone just swipe up and and you can just go find her really fast. Thank you, Sarah. This has been so eye-opening for me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was so such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Bria. Have an awesome day. You too. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.